Welcome to Immigration Review, your weekly source for immigration case law updates and insights. I'm your host, Kevin A. Gregg, back again to review the week's presidential immigration cases, rummaging through the decisions so you don't have to. This podcast is sponsored by Kurzban, Kurzban, Tetzeli, and Pratt, also known as KKTP, a law firm where I'm also a partner. Whether you are facing an immigration obstacle, a serious injury, or a legal issue in your business, KKTP will aggressively protect your best interests. This podcast is also sponsored by DocketWise, an all-in-one immigration forms and case management solution trusted by thousands of immigration lawyers across the U.S. I really like DocketWise. It makes immigration applications easy by allowing the clients to provide information through simple online questionnaires that are shareable by text or email and available in multiple languages. Not only that, DocketWise provides a comprehensive group of case management features, including invoicing and calendaring, secure messaging, task management, and a lot more. You can learn all about DocketWise and receive a 10% discount on your subscription by heading to docketwise.com immigration review so they know we sent you. And as always, this show does not constitute legal advice and has no bias other than to keep you up to date and to enable you, my dear colleagues, to excel in court. So, without further ado, let's start the review. Well, everyone, it's finally here. Episode 52. That means I've been at this an entire year now. I simply can't believe it. And to celebrate this momentous event, I thought I'd provide you guys with some statistics. And of course, a couple of shoutouts. Before getting to the cases. So Immigration Review turned one year old. Rest assured. I'm going to eat a cake. In the last year, I've reviewed and discussed over 400 cases. Absurd. We've had nearly 41,000 downloads, an unfathomable amount. Seriously, unfathomable. I can't even imagine what that looks like. The most downloaded episode, to my everlasting chagrin, is the raw and still getting my feet under me episode number one. Location-wise, the most downloads come from, perhaps unsurprisingly, Flagami, Florida, which probably encompasses a lot of immigration offices and my old stomping ground in Miami. Manhattan is a close second, and Columbus, Ohio is coming in at third. I don't know who you are, Columbus listeners, but I see you. And my favorite statistic of all, we've had downloads in, get this, 79 countries, including in the mix... Bulgaria, Kazakhstan, Finland, Mongolia, Ghana, Tanzania, and the Turks and Caicos Islands. I don't know how you all found me, but I'm glad you did. None of this would have been possible without all of you. I very much cherish and am humbled by the listenership, as I say a lot, and I mean it. It means so much. I'm particularly thankful for the sponsors, DocketWise, and my law firm KKTP, and our Patreons, including but not limited to Eunice Scott, Lorraine Marte, and Dave Burton, who've been around practically since day one. Also, my mom and of course Grandma Lois, who have definitely been around since day one. And most important of all, my wonderful fiancé Kim. This whole show was her idea, 
and she's been by my side all through the late nights and the weekends I dedicate to outlining, recording, and editing. She's even hosted a couple episodes, as longtime listeners will remember. Thank you for everything, Kim. And as if to reward me, the circuits published one and only one case this week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this exceptionally short episode of Immigration Review. Now one year old. Our first and only case this week is Thompson v. Garland, published by the Second Circuit on April 22, 2021. This case is about crimes of violence, aggravated felonies. That aggravated felony provision is defined at INA Section 101A43F. It, in turn, is defined completely by the crime of violence definition employed at 18 U.S.C. Section 16A and 16B. But the Supreme Court held that Section 16B was unconstitutional in Sessions v. DeMaia. Therefore, today, the only remaining way that a state or federal criminal conviction can qualify as an aggravated felony crime of violence is if it matches the definition at 18 U.S.C. Section 16A, also known as the Elements Clause. Mr. Thompson is from Jamaica and appears to be a lawful permanent resident. He was convicted of second-degree assault under New York Penal Law Section 120.05, subsection 1. And, if using the categorical approach analysis, that state crime matches the definition of an aggravated felony, he's removable. An immigration judge held that the conviction matched the definition of an aggravated felony crime of violence, as defined at INA Section 101A43F and 18 U.S.C. Section 16A and the BIA affirmed that finding. And here, the Second Circuit agreed. 18 U.S.C. Section 16A defines as a crime of violence, quote, an offense that has an element the use, attempted use, or threatened use of physical force against the person or property of another, end quote. Under Supreme Court precedent, this describes only those criminal offenses that require, quote, intentional, rather than accidental, force and suggests a category of violent, active crimes, end quote. In this decision, the Second Circuit first held that New York Penal Law Section 120.05 is divisible into separate crimes, such that it can apply the modified categorical approach to determine which subcrime Mr. Thompson was convicted under, in this case, subsection 1. And for the record, the Second Circuit has previously held that subsection 2 is also a crime of violence. It looks like there's a bunch of other subsections of the statute, so we'll leave those crimes for another day, as the Second Circuit did. But turning back to the conviction at issue, New York Penal Law, section 120.05, subsection 1. Under that statute, quote, a person is guilty of assault in the second degree when, with the intent to cause serious physical injury to another person, he causes such injury to such person or to a third person, end quote. Serious physical injury, in turn, is defined elsewhere in the New York statutes as, quote, physical injury, which creates a substantial risk of death or which causes death or serious and protracted disfigurement, protracted impairment of health or protracted loss of impairment of the function of any bodily organ, end quote. 
So boiled down, a defendant needs to intend to seriously harm one person, but as a result, causes serious injury to that person or another person. According to the Second Circuit, this definition necessarily requires physical force, as used in Section 16a, and that force is sufficiently violent to make it a crime of violence. The Second Circuit rejected Mr. Thompson's argument that the crime doesn't actually require violent physical force because someone could be convicted for poisoning another or, quote, placing a barrier in front of a car, causing an accident, end quote. And the Second Circuit rejected Mr. Thompson's arguments because the Circuit has previously held that the crime of violence definition at Section 16a includes harm that, quote, occurs indirectly, as with poisoning, end quote, or simply, quote, initiated a consequence that inflicts injury, end quote, as with placing a barrier in front of a car. Mr. Thompson is therefore removable. Here are a few more thoughts. It appears based on the intro portion of the decision, and if this is true, it's just remarkable, that Mr. Thompson represented himself before the Second Circuit pro se and that he represented himself at oral argument in 2019. Kind of like performing your own surgery. Good on you, Mr. Thompson. But perhaps that's why there wasn't any discussion of the fact that this criminal statute appears to permit conviction where a defendant intends to harm one person, but as a result, harms another person. I suppose there's case law out there in the Second Circuit saying that even unintentional harm to a third party where the initial harm was intentional meets the crime of violence definition. But if so, I'm curious why it wasn't mentioned at all in this decision. Finally, and as I've mentioned before, 18 U.S.C. Section 16A is nearly identical to a similar crime of violence statute used in the Armed Career Criminal Act sentence enhancement context. 18 U.S.C. Section 924E. So those sentence enhancement cases are very relevant and should be reviewed in your circuit if and when you're building your aggravated felony crime of violence defense in immigration court. Which is why, for example, I discussed U.S.A. v. al Mawakil, published by the Fourth Circuit, on episode 36. And that is Thompson v. Garland. <laughs> So there you have it. You're all caught up with the past week's published immigration cases. I'm Kevin A. Gregg, a partner with the law firm Kurzban, Kurzban, Tetzeli, and Pratt, and this has been another episode of Immigration Review. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with a friend and rate and review us. Each review helps new listeners find the show. And of course, subscribe to Immigration Review wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what we do and want to become a patron of the show, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash immigration review, or click on the link in the show notes. And if you're interested in an official Immigration Review CLE certificate for five credit hours, email me at kgreg at kktplaw.com with your full name and the episode numbers for the 10 shows you've listened to. Also, feel free to email me with questions, comments, or anything at all. And follow the show on Instagram and Facebook, at Immigration Review, and send us a tweet, at ImReview, that's I-M-M Review. I'll be back next Monday for a brand new discussion. Until then, 
I'm Kevin A. Gregg, bringing you the Immigration Review. Thank you.